The reading for this morning comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. So Dave and I will be sharing that this morning. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Thanks, Jess. Continuing on at verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and you are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. That concludes verse 18. Good morning, friends. Lovely to greet you this morning. Great to be here in worship, isn't it? Glad you've come. There have been a number of requests for our continuing prayer support this morning, and I won't go over those, but each week you'll notice in our care link um, a number of people's names, members of our church family um, who are suffering from some condition or another and Jeanette and Lynn lead a very good pastoral care team and it's lovely that those people are being cared for. Can I just encourage you to continue to pray for each one? I had the privilege of spending a bit of time with David and Iris Leach um, about lunchtime yesterday and David's just come home from hospital at his request as you can understand and uh, Iris's as well. 
And with tears streaming down their faces yesterday, they just said, please tell the friends at Kilsyth South that we greatly value and feel the impact of your prayers. So it's lovely to get that um, response from them. And this morning, I'd just like to mention that a number of us had the, the privilege on Friday afternoon of attending one of the most memorable and inspiring Thanksgiving services. And I'm referring, of course, to um, Hugh McCartney, Andy's um, dad. And it was so good to see not only so many people there, but so many folk from uh, Kilside South. And Joss and Andy and Joel and Kyle and Reuben, I just want to assure you, good friends of our continuing support and love for you. Um, through this, this tough time of grief. Tough time indeed. Well, friends, we turn this morning to Peter's second letter, and I wonder whether, just in hearing the, um, the verses that Jess, the, the Jess and David read for us so nicely, a change in tone from um, Peter's first letter. This scripture and this whole letter is an enormous strength and encouragement to, to many believers these days. Um, how can I start? This week, I've almost been blown away by the number of conversations I've had with people who are struggling with some condition or another in their life. And I'm going to elaborate on that. And I suspect that many, if not most of us here this morning, have brought some issue in our relationship mix-up, in our work situation, in our family network, among our friendship circle, whatever it might be, have brought with us some kind of burden this morning. And if that's your case, I want to say to you that you're in the best place possible today because we are reflecting on Peter's second letter. And Peter was facing the imminent death of himself. Things were hotting up in Rome. Christians were being targeted. Many had already been executed. Paul, around this time, although Peter makes no reference to Paul having been executed, but it could have been soon after Peter's second letter. And it would seem soon after this letter was written, Peter also um, was executed for his courage and bravery, not only in identifying himself as a Christian, but as a strong, courageous, committed, passionate preacher of the gospel. And so, friends, we might not have Peter's kinds of burdens, but it just appears to me that, that, that with the kind of doubtful, imminent future that Peter faced, he was able to write and, and speak so convincingly, so passionately about his faith in Christ without being overshadowed and overrun by the burdens that were his. And there's enormous encouragement for us, I believe, in reflecting with Peter on the realities of life and the certainty of the gospel 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know whether any of you watched the, um, the Ando Brush with Fame program on one, one night this week, Wednesday I think it was. Brilliant painter. And while he's painting a portrait, he's also talking to the person who's in his studio. And this week it was Terry Irwin, the widow of Steve Irwin, and you all know about their fame. And while he painted her her portrait. He engaged her in a very personal, reflective conversation. And she told Anne Doe the story of her life, how she met and married Steve, how they set up their crocodile farm, and how I think she actually fell in love with crocodiles. And then about his death, how while she'd gone down to Tasmania with the children, Steve was doing a, a documentary on dangerous sea creatures up in Queensland and that's when he was killed by a stingray's spur piercing his heart. And she went on and, and talked about the, the impact. She was very brave. She almost broke down once or twice and you would have been surprised if she hadn't done that given the the, the nature of her grief. But after she'd spoken so beautifully and sensitively, and Ando seems to have the, the skill of, of drawing a person out to speak about the, the real issues of life and not just glossing over them, Ando said to her very sensitively, what, what is the best advice that you can give? And she thought for a moment. And she said, the meaning of life is unconditional love. If you can achieve that, I think you've got it. They were her last words on Wednesday night. And friends, that's what this scripture is about. Not just persevering, but reaching the goal of receiving from God through his grace his unconditional love for you and for me through our simple faith in Jesus Christ. And then being a conduit out to other people of living out, displaying, communicating that same unconditional love of Jesus. So let's have a look at just some of this, this chapter this morning. We haven't got time to go through all of the the rich detail, but there's some, some wonderful things here for us. And we see right from the start that even though Peter was burdened, he still had this, this passionate commitment to the one who had called him all those years ago. He could never forget those simple words of Jesus, follow me. And so he starts the letter in his characteristic way, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Whatever difficulty he was, he was facing, whatever worries and burdens were tending to get on top of him, uppermost in his life was that deep sense of call from Jesus. Follow me. And so still at the time of writing, 
He was proud, though humble, to announce himself again as a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And friends, he goes on to talk about some remarkable um, gifts that Jesus not only gave to Peter, but he's given to us as well. And he uses this amazing phrase in verse 3. He says, He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Can you get your mind around that? God, by his grace, has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. That is such an enormous, expansive expression of grace. And he starts off by talking about the faith that we've been given. He says in verse 1, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Now sometimes when we think about faith, we think that faith is our response to God's offer of grace and salvation to us. And friends, that's partly true. But our expression of faith in God is only possible because God firstly has given us the gift and the desire to believe. Now we need to understand that because we can say here this morning that for some people, faith is a difficult exercise, if not impossible. And if we go further and talk about faith in God, whom we've never seen, how can an intelligent thinking person commit themselves like that? Do you know how? Because faith is a gift that God has given to us. I can remember years ago when I was at Monash University, for some strange reason, I decided to do a unit in philosophy. And we were, we were doing, doing a, a short um, exploration of, in philosophy of religion of the classical arguments for the existence of God. And we were asked, not asked, requested to write an essay on these and analyse them and comment on them. So here we were, these blooming students, um, analysing these classical arguments for the existence of God. Well, I thought I'd be a bit brave and I went through seven of them and then I said, but I'm going to propose a greater piece of evidence for the existence of God and that is my personal faith. And then I went on, in the best way I could, to describe what I believed to be the total validity of a human being claiming faith in God according to the authority of Scripture. And the professor who marked my paper said, look, I've got to give you credit for that, Graham. You handle the seven classical arguments okay in a very predictable way, the way all students do it. Must have been pretty boring reading for him. But he said, I've never thought of that last valid claim for the existence of God in the way you explained it. And he said, I can't crit that. I can't criticise you for that. That's your experience and it's valid. And he gave me that kind of credit for it. So friends, faith, this faith business is not just us struggling 
to respond to God. God prepares us with his gift to enable us to connect with God. And that's what Peter's saying here. This, this faith that's been given, and it's faith to all of these believers that was as precious to all these people as it was for the servants and the apostles of Christ. And then he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. An unlimited supply of the grace. We talked about grace last week. And that peace of God, which passes all understanding. Don't we need that when we live in such a muddled world of fake news? We need a rock-solid foundation in our lives, in our demeanour, in our relationships. And here it is. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. What else is there there? Peter goes on and says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Nothing excluded. God's divine power. Paul speaks of the power of God and he uses the resurrection of Jesus as the greatest display of God's divine power. Even over creation, he speaks of the resurrection of Christ as the greatest display of God's power. And here he's saying that this same divine power has given us, ordinary, simple people here this morning at Kilsyth South, he's given us everything we need to live as Christians and live a godly life through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. I can declare it to you this morning. I've got to say I'm not quite sure that I fully understand it, that I accept it by faith. This is the word of God and it blows our minds away. And then he goes on and says, through these he has given us very great and precious promises. Now we could turn our service this morning into, I was going to say a small group, not a small group, a large group, and we could invite everybody just to recite one precious promise that is precious to you from God's word. I'll put you at ease, we're not going to do it. But friends, in your home groups, that would be a beautiful thing to do, wouldn't it? Invite everybody one night, give them a week or two's notice and say, on this particular night, we're going to share together one or two of God's precious promises from Scripture. So many. He's given us very great and precious promises. Why? So that through these we may participate in the divine nature. There's another big one for us. Can you get your minds around that? Great and precious promises so that we can participate in the divine, in the divine nature. How does that work? Well, all I can suggest is that it works as the Holy Spirit comes into our lives 
and forms within us increasingly the glory of Jesus Christ. And in that process, somehow by God's wonderful grace, we participate in the divine nature. Friends, this is amazing truth that we may participate in the divine nature. Well, Peter goes on and he says, okay, in view of all of this, now it's time for a bit of action. I could get you all to stand up, couldn't I? That's what Peter's really saying here. Now it's time for a bit of action. For this reason, we've all been inspired by these wonderful expressions of God's majesty and, and grace. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So friends, faith is the bedrock quality in our living. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because everybody who comes to God must believe that he is God. Faith is the starting point. But Peter doesn't leave us there. He says, make every effort to add to your faith. The first one is goodness. Goodness. Do you know someone whom you might think of and maybe describe to another person and they appear to be so quintense, I won't try and say that word, so amazingly good that you just have to conclude that that person is just a thoroughly good person, a bit like Barnabas in the New Testament. A good man. And it could be a good woman, good child, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Goodness, intrinsic goodness. Not just when we're dressed up and happy and smiling on church, in church on Sunday mornings, but right through the week, whatever happens, goodness, intrinsic goodness. So take that on board, add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Now this isn't just learning at university or school, this is knowledge of Jesus Christ because that's the whole context of this particular letter and, and chapter. And it's what Paul wrote about. Remember in Philippians, Paul said that I might know Christ. This was his burning desire, that I might know Christ and the, the fellowship of his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Can you say that? Is that your passion to know Christ to that extent? The fellowship of his sufferings. What does that mean? I don't think it means just being nailed to a cross. I think it means being totally sold out to the will and the purpose of God in the way we live today. That's what Jesus was, totally committed to the will of the Father. This increasing knowledge of Christ. Self-control. Oops, that's a hard one, isn't it? Self-control. Which buttons do we press here? Isabel and I had a fairly late night last night. We were looking after three of our beautiful grandchildren. 
But I've got to say, I'm glad I'm not a parent these days because how do you manage the, how do you manage the screen? And when they've got an Xbox and they want to play, what's that game? What is it? Fortnite. Fortnite. Who wants to play Fortnite? Anyway, I had a look at it last night with our 13 and 11-year-old. It's pretty fascinating. But the problem is these kids get hooked on them. What a, what a challenge for parents to try and build in some kind of, of self-control. But self-control is not just an adolescent issue. It's for all of us, isn't it? What's the area of life in which you need self-control? I'll leave you to answer that one, but I think it's a question that we all need to, to think about. Perseverance, there's a good one, isn't it? Perseverance, keep going. Now, I've got to say that I've had a fairly mischievous relationship with your past um, pastor over the years because, in case you don't know, he's, a, he's quite addicted to Geelong. I don't know whether he's ever shared that with you. And last night when Geelong was trailing Richmond, right up until the, 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 the death knoll, death knoll, whatever, um, I, you, you know the story, the, the siren went and Tui um, kicked a goal and it resulted in Geelong winning by two points. Now, I sent a cheeky text to Tim, I forget what I said, how did Geelong manage to do that or something like that. And this morning... Tim sent me a text and he said, Graham, if I was preaching at Kilsyth South this morning, I would have a photo, I would have a clip of the last two minutes of the Geelong game <laughs> on the screen. So I replied back to him and said, Well, I'm glad you're not preaching at Kilsyth South this morning, <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, I said, Well, would you like me to at least mention it just so that you remembered, Tim? He said, That'd be great. Um, but the spa that we've had going for years has been at the beginning of the football season. I shouldn't get stuck into this. <laughs> beginning of the football season, Tim always texts me and said, Graham, I think Richmond's going to come in ninth this year. But he's been a bit quiet on that the last couple of years. <laughs> very quiet indeed. And I've been very kind and gracious. He used to say to me, Graham, you're not likely to hear the Richmond, scene, Richmond song for a few more weeks. And Frequently, I would text him and say, hey, Tim, just heard the Richmond song again. And we used to chide each other like this, and it's been a lot of good fun. But regardless of all of that, you've got to say that last night's um, goal kicked by Tui on behalf of his team did represent perseverance. You see, they had learned... This is another thing I've got to pass on to Tim. Geelong has learned at long last from Richmond's skill in being able to press the turbocharge button in the last quarter. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did last night. And Tui kicked that goal. And their perseverance was rewarded. Now, fancy using football as an example in Scripture. Never done that before. I don't do that kind of thing. But I think it fits in this culture at Kilside South. <laughs> perseverance. Isn't that something we need a big dose of? Godliness. Add to your perseverance, godliness. You know, one of my favourite verses of scripture is Paul writing to Timothy. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. I think if I die before Isabel, she's going to use that as the inscription on my whatever we do these days, tombstones or whatever. Godliness with contentment. That's it. Great gain. Great gain. Add to your godliness brotherly kindness. Care for all other people, for believers and for neighbours. And we come to it, unconditional love. Add to your brotherly kindness, unconditional love. That love that Terry Irwin was talking about, I think the meaning of life is unconditional love. And if you can achieve that, she said, I think you've got it. Unconditional love. That's how Jesus lived. And by his spirit, that's how he calls us to live as well. And we practice that in our families and in our homes. We practice it in our church, don't we? Unconditional love. So that when we go back out into the world tomorrow, we can live that out in every demeanour of our lives. And friends, we come to the last couple of verses that we're going to look at this morning verses 10 and 11 therefore my brothers and sisters be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you will never fall what assurance and listen to this and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Aren't they just sublime words? If you do these things, it's not a salvation by works, but through your faith and through God's grace, if you live out these rich qualities, you will receive a rich welcome. Look at that. Beautiful welcome home. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Friends, that's God's message to you. And he's got your name written on that. And it's signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's how this promise can be secured. I was thinking about that just yesterday, that rich scripture, and my mind went back to a visit Isabel and I made a few years ago to St Petersburg. And we were privileged to have a tour through the Hermitage Museum. And our tour guide was a beautiful Christian lady. Her son had just been baptised in the Orthodox Church in Russia. And you know the picture that she left as the last climactic picture for us, painting for us to look at? I think it's going to come up on the screen right now. I don't know whether you can see that. But that is Rembrandt's painting done in 1667 of the prodigal welcoming back his lost son. 
And some art historians claim that that is the richest and the most beautiful piece of painting artwork ever been done. That was our climax, walking through the beautiful historic Hermitage Museum in St Petersburg. And we stood there, silent, as we looked into the face of the Father and we saw the lost son kneeling and receiving that rich welcome home. The richness of God's grace. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father and our God, we find it hard to put into words our response to your abundant mercy and grace extended to us again today that comes through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be fully open to the gifting of your Spirit and the living out of these qualities of Jesus day by day and Lord whatever the ups and downs in life might be help us to always keep in mind the certainty of that rich welcome that awaits us into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ we pray in his worthy name Amen